takes it out towards the big Ruckman. Thomas was in the front spot that time. Ball hits the deck. Handball over the top. Martin, he couldn't quite trap it, but had the skill to go after it again. Make that three. Make that three, you little beauty. He's a superstar, Cole Martin. And he slammed through his first on the bending over. his grass. Who's going to claim the ball? It's just falling out of hands. Now, can we have a shot at goal? It's against Spice. It's Spice. He's picked it up, and he's just put it on the left. A top five has emerged in the Premier Division. So who will sneak into sixth? The Basin saw into fifth position after a perfect weekend in Division 2. Donvale knock off Warrandyte to jump into the top two and Furniture Gully escape the bottom two. Plus Bayswater sneak home to sit in sixth, just one game behind an inform one turn to south. Welcome to the Eastland Monday Recovery with myself, Matthew Fodier, Gavin Casey, Wayne Brasher and Ryan Long. Gentlemen, uh, it was a beautiful Saturday yesterday. We were out there at the NADOC game uh, between Nord and South Croydon, but there was another big round of EFNL action elsewhere, Ryan, as well. Yeah, yeah, certainly it was, and it was really fantastic to see the uh, smoking ceremony before the game and, and listening to your interviews with um, with both both Jamie and, and Braden. They were really – they spoke really well and um, uh, a, a really good positive sign of, of where you know the league is going with, um, uh, with rounds like this and – Hopefully, we can see other teams get involved in the uh, future. Absolutely. Gav, uh, another Sunday for you? Yeah, and it's always good for me as part of, I think everyone likes to review scores when and uh, look at what happened and try to work out where things are going. But there's a couple of games where halftime, um, th- the third quarter didn't resemble what was yeah. going on in the first half. So looking at some of these uh, score lines, it was uh, topsy-turvy. Um, not sure... What's going on in a couple of those games? <laughs> Absolutely. I think the wind wreaked havoc uh, with a few scores and definitely the game we're going to talk about first. Brash, once again, mate. Yeah, fantastic day yesterday. Couldn't reiterate the words. It was a fantastic uh, start to NADOC week and uh, great. Uh, a big thank you to uh, Norwood and South Croydon for uh, putting on the show yesterday and, and, and showing the initiative and taking the initiative in what is a significant uh, week in, in in Australia. Absolutely, Brash. But before we jump into Premier Division and that game, we're going to go straight to Division 1 where Bayswater, as I mentioned off the top, have moved into sixth position on the ladder. And, and to be honest, probably they've not been the in vogue team of that chasing pack. We've sort of had um, conversations about every other club, it seems. But Bayswater have now moved into just one game behind when he's south in fifth after a strong win over Beaconsfield where they kicked three goals three to nothing in the last quarter to get up by 10 points. Josh Doffey kicked two goals, as did Paul Hasbroke uh, and Josh Treby, and then their best players, Higgins, White, Galvin, Murray, McLeod, and Hasbroke. We've got Tom Roach on the line. Tom, uh, a pleasant Sunday morning, mate, after a good hard win. Yeah, look, it was uh, <clears throat> a really good game. Um, we were under the under the pump early. In the game. They, uh, they sort of dominated the first quarter as cool kick straight, so uh, we were kind of lucky that they had the breeze in the first quarter. Probably a good three-goal breeze, and they didn't make the most of it because I think they kicked seven points or something. So that helped. Yeah, they were 2-5, but I guess that's probably, you know, just rewards because I think last time when you guys went to home park, you guys couldn't kick straight or they couldn't miss. It was something like that as well. So it, it all, all the way the cookie crumbles. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They, I think they kicked kick 13 goals, 11 goals in a row before their first point in round three. So <laughs> That doesn't yeah, happen often. Uh, yeah, amazing things in roundabouts in footy. It's always a bit like that. So, uh, yeah, we got the, we got a little bit lucky yesterday, but uh, it was a pretty good game of footy, to be honest. Yeah, and, and how are you guys shaping in terms of where your season are? As I said off the top, you sort of under the radar because there's, you know, stories talk about, obviously, Murabak's running away with it. Wani South and Montrose have sort of had a higher expectations. How, how do you feel you guys are sitting, you know, at the moment, five wins on the board and, and in a pretty good position? 
<clears throat> yeah, I think, uh, look, we've definitely improved a fair bit. And, um, you know, at the start of the year, sort of no, hard to know, with, you know, sort of a couple of years off, really, um, sort of how you're going to shape up. We haven't done a hell of a lot of recruiting. We've sort of got a few young kids coming through that have really propped us up um, and they've improved out of sight. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's kind of... You know, we're really happy with five wins at the moment. We, we, I suppose you, you sort of look at the, the top sides and we'll bark and each ring are way out ahead. Um, but if we can sort of sneak into, you know, that fifth spot, that's kind of what we're aiming for. And I think, you know, we're, our best footy is definitely capable of beating those sides around sort of, you know, third, fourth, fifth, all the way down to sort of eight, eight or ninth. So, yeah, it's kind of pretty even after the top two. And, and Tom, you mentioned your... Your, your younger players there just before, um, guys like Ben White and um, and even Hasbrook, uh, again, they were in the best plays uh, yesterday. Can you just speak to sort of the the way they go about their football and, and have they been able to uh, really take their game to a new level this season? Yeah, look, Whitey, uh, Ben White's obviously, you know, they're pretty famous with all that winning all those junior bets in Ferris. Um, he won like seven in a row or something like that. So, you know, he's just an amazing player. I mean, everyone says he's really young, but it sort of feels like because he's been in the senior level for so long, um, you kind of forget how young he really is. So, you look, he's um, he's sort of averaging about 32, 33 possessions a game. Um, he just finds the footy so well. He's good at really, really athletic and, and quick off the mark and stuff like that. Um, he's, he's kicking, getting better. He's, he's a little left footer that um, sometimes he's running too fast to kick the ball well. So he's got to keep working on that. Uh, young Paul Hasbrook, he's um, he had a pre-season at Box Hill. Um, he's, de- he's definitely good enough to probably play, you know, when he gets a bit older at that level. Um, but he just wanted to sort of play with his mates and enjoy his footy. Um, and he's been sensational for us. He's really quick and, and clever, and his he's forward half pressure is probably, you know, something that we've we've missed. So he's he's sensational, and obviously uh, Josh Trevi's winning our goal kicking and. Didn't play last week, which really hurt us against Croydon. Uh, he had COVID last week, so he uh, had to have the week off. Um, but he's a, he's a great young player as well. So, look, you know, our best players have probably been our young guys, along with the Goulburn brothers. Um, Bryce and Joel have been really, really solid as well. And, and just on the last time you played Beaconsfield, obviously you mentioned how accurate they were. Was that the, sort of the major difference from um, the last time you played them, or, or did, you, did you learn a bit from um, the first time you were out there at Home Park? Uh, yeah, look, it probably was. To be honest, probably was the uh, the main difference. We're, we've sort of changed uh, the way we're we're we're, play, we're playing. We, I think, it was probably the Beaconsfield game in round three where we said, look, we have to change um, the way we play. They kicked thirteen goals three from turnover, which is astronomical. Um, so we we sort of we know that's not going to get it done. That kind of turn, you know, you kick, you kick the footy back in opposition that often. They score, you know, quite quite quickly from. From turnover, we, we nearly had to sort of change that. Um, and that sort of was a bit of a catalyst to us changing a little bit of our game style, trying to play a little bit more kick mark, <clears throat> dropping up a couple of footy um, numbers behind the footy so that, you know, if we do turn it over, we've got a little bit of coverage. Um, so since that sort of round three mark, we sort of changed the way we played. So um, they're, 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 they're quite a funny side being, so they, they kind of play one-on-one all around the ground, which is unusual. You don't really get that... Um, you know, I don't think I've coached against a one-on-one side for a long time. So they've got amazing discipline. Their players just a dead set one-on-one all over the ground. You look up and the wingers have got the wingmen. The, the, all the, obviously, all the backs have got their forwards. But even their forwards follow their, their direct opponent down the ground. So, yeah, interesting side to play against. They, um, <clears throat> yeah, really one-on-one. 
Uh, Tom, can you expand on that with why Beaconsfield would consider doing that? Are they a physically strong side or they've got good one percenters in them, like quick hands to spoil? Or is that something yeah. you think that they wanted to do? Yeah, I think, I, look, I, I've only watched them play a couple of games. So they were definitely doing the same thing against um, Rural Bugs. They're obviously a really good side, so maybe they thought one-on-one was the way to go against them. Um, playing them in round three, they're, they're really good at um, you know winning the ball at the source and taking off um, forward of centre. Um, and I think maybe they got maybe got found out against some really good sides because they're so good at running forward, they might have got caught back the other way. So I think... I think maybe they've sort of gone with that one-on-one approach to stop to stop easy score the other way. Um, it's a pretty tacking style of footy, but they're, they're really disciplined um, the way they played it. Like they did, they did it for four quarters. Uh, we found it really hard to get uncontested possession, which is kind of our style. Um, we really struggled to actually take uncontested marks all day. So <clears throat> it definitely stifled the way we wanted to play. But it's a really obviously it's a really tacking um, style of footy because you, you know when you're chasing ass all day, you find it a little bit hard to attack. But uh, Look, they're, they're a pretty good side. They've, they've got some really good players up forward. Number 19, Johnson, for them, kicked four or five yesterday. He's a, he's a really good player. So I'll probably try to give him one-on-one as, as much as possible as well. And just in consideration of that, you kicked home with three goals to their no score. That, you're suggesting, might have some impact on them. But what about the conditions? What was it like and how did you have to adapt yesterday? Uh, uh, yeah, look, it was windy early. Um, sort of really... Favoring one end, um, they kicked with it initially and kicked a lot of points. Um, so they kicked seven behind, I think, in the first quarter. So, you know, if they kick straight there, it makes it a different day. Um, and then the wind sort of died down a little bit in the second half. So we had the wind going in the last quarter, but wasn't doing as much. So, yeah, we're just able to sort of <clears throat> kick the ball, keep the ball in our forward half for a lot longer that quarter and put a fair bit of pressure on them, which resulted in us kicking three goals to nothing, I think. Tommy... It's uh, Brash here, mate. How are you? Yeah, good. Thanks, Brash. Uh, look, uh, just a couple of um, observations. Uh, on your uh, points differential, first quarter minus 84, third quarter minus 30. Are you a little bit concerned that your guys probably come out at the start of the game and after half time a little bit slow and, and need to sort of pick up the momentum a bit quicker? Yeah, well, look, we've, I didn't know those exact stats. Thanks for that. <laughs> That's... Uh... Yeah, it's a bit worrying, actually. But we look, we did notice that we're we're a bit of a slow starting side, and also directly after half time, we get jumped a little bit. So we're we're doing a little bit of work on our warm up, changing it a little bit just to see if that can make a bit of a difference. I'm actually keeping the boys in for only around about ten minutes at half time. Yeah. So they don't cool down much. Um, they're getting out and doing a really kind of intense warm up just after before three quarter um, before the third quarter. So. That might be making a bit of a difference now because um, we have noticed that we are a bit of a slow starting side and also directly after half-time. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely something we looked at. I didn't know the other exact stats, but that's a good one. Thanks for that. Well, I, I guess over the course of the season, and, I mean, we're talking uh, 10 or 11 rounds, so, I mean, you, you're at, it, it really only averages out to about eight points, but over, but that sort of – but that's still – eight points just keeps growing and growing, and then – then all of a sudden you're looking at major deficits where you, you automatically give inside two goal start, which is really not what you want to do, is it? No, definitely not. Especially such an even comp, as, I, as we saw everyone's alluded to, that, you know, first division is really even. You know, obviously, <coughs> Bullbark and Ace Room are really good sides, but 
um, from there down, like, you know, anyone can be betting anyone. So kind of, um, you know, even Mitchum are a pretty good side as well. Like, they probably think they're in the top. No, they're third on the ladder, so they're, they're quite a good side. So, you know, we, we've got them this week. So we'll, something that we need to probably focus on a little bit. Um, not something, I don't know, maybe change up a little bit of training or something like that initially to make sure the boys are switched on, ready to go, so it's a bit more game-orientated. But, uh, yeah, I'll definitely bring that up with the, with the boys during the week. One of the things, going through your win-loss margins uh, throughout the season, um, when I when I look at the when I look at it quarter by quarter, Tom, it just looks like that. It only seems like that um, you you've only had momentary lapses in games, and that's just been enough for the opposition to uh, to get a uh, to to sneak away with a four or five goal lead, and you're unable to uh, to peg it back. Would that be a fair assumption? Yeah, it's a concentration thing. It's uh... I've sort of had to change the way we play this year um, from from previous years. We're not we're not a fast side. We don't have any tall marking forwards, so we've got to play a game a style of game that you've got to concentrate and make sure you keep possession and, and don't blaze away. And you know, if you have laps in concentration, sides can kick goals on you pretty quickly. Um, and for us, we're a little bit dictated to by the scoreboard. The boys look up at the scoreboard, and you know, if we're if the opposition kicks a couple of goals. I think we've got to change the way we're playing and they'll, they'll go away from sort of what's being directed and um, that's when sides get a bit of a run on. Uh, it's something we've, the boys are starting to understand. It's, it's taken a while, probably taken up until sort of halfway through the year for us to really understand how we're trying to play and how we're implementing that and then not going away from that. And when you sort of see <clears throat> our scoreline and there's a quarter where our side kick five goals to nothing, it's because we've gone away from what makes us a competitive side and um, unfortunately, every now and then that that sort of you know might that might happen once a week, and that that's your four or five goals the opposition's kick. And then, Tommy, before we let you go, mate, where where's the club sort of sitting in your head in terms of the future? Because you, you you've sort of as you mentioned, besides the the Galvin boys and a couple others, you are bringing through some youngsters that are starting to to shelve a lot more of the load, and and you're going as I said, probably above where a lot of people had you you guys sitting this season. So where where do you think is the club heading in the right direction? Yeah, look, it's definitely heading in the right direction. You know, I think a lot of clubs, with the, with the salary cut, cut down to 85000 it's, um, you know, it really stifles your recruiting. You know, you, you've got to really make sure you've got young kids coming through, your under-19s have got some good kids, your junior footy clubs, obviously well-connected to your senior club. I mean, that's, that's kind of what we're doing. Um, we're, yeah, we've worked really hard to establish a relationship with the junior club and, you know, hopefully... With years to come, we'll get, you know, half a side from the 17s coming in to play 19s, and that'll just keep growing the club. We're, you know, recruiting-wise, we don't we don't have a hell of a lot, you know, to work with. We're we're we're, we're looking, obviously, looking every club looks for a ruckman, but we're, you know, we've got six foot two Bryce Galvin rucking for us every week, and yeah. we'd love to give him a top out where he can go forward, but he's he's unfortunately has to play ruck every week. So that's, you know, I think if we had a key position forward player and a and a ruckman, we'd be ultra competitive. But we're uh, unfortunately we don't. So we have to make do with what we got. With you know, we're really lucky to have you know, Ben White and Treby and and Hot Housebroke and the, these boys coming through because they're you know they're really good players. Just a quick mention of Matty Higgins, who's just turned eighteen on Thursday. He he got best on ground for us yesterday, and it was you know he's only I think he weighs fifty kilos. He's about five foot seven, so he's a he's a good little player, yeah. and he played yesterday. So you know that's another another um, exciting. Uh, a bit of talent coming to the club.
Absolutely. Well, mate, you, you guys are doing uh, spectacularly well so far this year. You've got a, you've got it all in your own hands because I think your draw has you playing some of the sides above you, so you can definitely make a run for that fifth spot. Thanks for joining us uh, early on Sunday morning on the Eastland Monday Recovery. No worries at all, boys. Thanks for having me. Tom Roach there, Bayswater Senior Coach, and sounds like the, the waters are in pretty good hands, Brash. They are. Tommy's been around now for three seasons, I think, and uh, he's just gradually rebuilding, uh, rebuilding the club. A uh, couple of points of note out of that interview. I reckon – I know Ben and I've known Ben White for a long time and obviously his exploits as a junior has been well documented. I think what's happened his first couple of years of senior football, he probably flew under the radar. I think the opposition coaches now are putting a lot more time and energy into – They did have Kurt Lopo, so he has yeah. probably become – like with Lopo and Joel Galvin yeah. over the – before the pandemic, he was probably the, the number three yeah. mid – and then now with Lopo's playing for Edith yeah. Aspendale and Joel's closer to the end and the fin- uh, end than the start, it, it means he's the number one man. Yeah, and the other thing is too, uh, how 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 the worm really has really turned. Years ago, the the senior clubs and junior clubs, there was always a disconnect. Now they're embracing them with yeah, exactly. <laughs> with open well, arms and saying, "Give me your players." It's yeah. to that point of where would you get your players from? Yeah. Because the world's a lot more local than what it used to be, and there can yep. be many factors to contribute that. And and talent now is not. It should have to been go. done, and it should have been done the whole time, really, yeah. because you could you could actually have the best of both worlds if you if you did it right. I don't know why you would ever try to alienate your junior club. I'm sure they didn't mean to, but yeah. It's- I mean, I, I guess the perfect idea is you'd like to see every club maybe have three or four really goodies with all the youngsters. You know, three and five year old youngsters that would provide a really good comp because of the, yeah. the experience. And yeah. Are you putting forward some sort of quota system, Brash? <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> I guess the point system is some sort of well, yeah, watered down. It's it a watered is. down version of that. I uh, look, and I like I said, I've always been on record and saying that I'm glad that the salary cap come back down because of where I, of my own perceptions of where local football, not only in this comp but in other comps was. So I, for me, I'm happy to see where it is now. Uh, and let's just, like you just said, we get a second chance, a second bite at the cherry to get it right this time and uh, let's just hope that the powers of B do this in a way that both local clubs and young players as well as the players that come back from the high leagues into our competitions get the, the full benefit from that. What about Beaconsfield, though, guys? We'll stay on this game, but what about Beaconsfield? Because they seem to have fallen into the Montrose basket here, Gav, um, and Wanny South before the Queen's birthday bye, because since then they've been fantastic. But they're falling into that basket of they're playing some good footy. Like, you know, I'm sure Brash has got quarter stats that show us that they've never put four quarters together, but they play good footy. They put up a really good performance against, uh, you know, a Moorabark or an East Ringwood, and then, you know, they get this opportunity to close the gap and put themselves in a good spot, and they just can't they can't take it. Well, I think the uh, the uh, finding their way part has, has now finished for them, and the surprise factor is now gone. Tom Roach just... Well, said, that was a, it was a unique insight, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, he said, play. we've studied them. And look, you might get one game against the uh, the uh, league to go, well, we'll catch you unawares because even if you watch a videotape until you see them mm. in the flesh, you don't even know who number 19 is. And then now they've, they're now having to find a way to combat the competition rather than the competition going, who's this? So I think that's where it's turning around. And they're coming in with um, game styles that, like one-on-one, mm. that's very interesting that they would take that because 
that means. What that did, but did Mick do that at Noble Park? I, you guys have been around a bit longer, the, the pair of you. Did, was Mick Fogarty, did he play a man-on-man style with Noble Park? But he, had, he always had the interceptors as yeah, well. Yeah, right. Yeah, Mick, Mick was very good, though, because, Gav, he was he, – he knew his side. He knew his oppositions, and he had a different – he nine times out of ten, Matt, he did have a different game plan for, for different sides. That's why Mick yeah. Fogarty was, is where he is, because he knows um, – uh, he knows um, after you, – when he's played a club, like – all right, this is a learning curve for him too now because he's got a side there that's not the top of the tree, but it's in the it's in the middle. There's plenty to work with, and there's plenty to work with. Um, and the surprise factor is gone now. And this this mid stretch rounds eight to twelve. You know, the winter months set in. Um, all of a sudden, they've lost three. Their last three. Yeah. Um, and they've been in winnable positions in the last in mm. bar for about three or four of them, and it's just their inexperience in this competition that's that's not working, at, that's not getting them over the line at the moment. Well, you mentioned Mick Fogarty, and I think that's a good aspect. It makes me think, feel that he's in co- um, he's real in coaching mode. He's in teaching mode. This is you've got to learn how to beat your opponent, and we want you to concentrate on your game because we're developing you and as an individual a in a team in the AFL. So it's a team, uh, thing that like clubs right down the bottom do, isn't it? Yeah, sometimes I mean, if you if you're out class, just follow him around and learn. Yeah, ed- educate yourself in the game, mm. and we'll all be we we'll so all it come might have been something that they did for the Murubak game because Murubak are the. Are the the benchmark, and then it may it maybe it worked, <laughs> and it's like yeah, <laughs> and we'll they all, we'll going keep going in. with this. But mm. yeah, it's, they're, they're falling into that basket a little bit. They're, it's still in their hands because of how tight it is. Um, but they did lose to Wanty South after leading three quarter time, and now they've lost to Bayswater after leading at three quarter time Beaconsfield. So they would have to roll both Mitchum and Croydon, you would think, um, to to get in the top five come season's end. And this... that's and that's and sorry, their last quarters minus forty nine. Mm. So they fading they're... out. They're giving it. They're giving away points now in the last quarter when you can't. And you got to remember, you got to factor in the fact that when they're playing an upper gully, they're probably yes up. So it's probably more like minus sixty. Six. Yeah. There's a macro point here, and this is smells of Bayswater. They build for their rush. They lull, and then they reset. And they've been doing this for ten years now, where they just they, they do they were perennial elimin- elimination finalists, aren't they? They're very competitive, even at a lower level, mm. but they set themselves for a go, well, and that that's what they've always. They've, Donny East and some clubs have always just had their measure on in these premiership years, but they really want to reset and try to uh, build for that one chance. And they don't. It's almost like they. Two-year, three-year game plan is to build to that one one surge. I so it could off, be a rise coming. I got to off my hat to Bryce Gell and the way he keeps going. The, because of the fact he's had some horrific injuries over the you know mm. four or five years, which is not allowed. He's a re- when he's on song, he's a he's a fantastic footballer. Bryce I thought um, you about to, to peel out the Dennis Committee of AFL Live 2004. There, Brash. <laughs> when he's on song, he sings a mighty good song. Uh, we better move on because yeah. we've done twenty three minutes on one game. Uh, East Ring have pumped Croy, and there's not much to say here. Trent Farmer kicks six. No. I think that just shows, as Tom said in the interview there, that Murbuck and East Ring are a fair way above the rest. Mitchum are probably. They are the deserved number three seed after their performances against Murubak and Eastman have shown that they are probably a fair way better. It's disappointing for Croydon that not only could they not score, but they usually don't concede 140 points. But And Eastman, on the other hand, don't usually 
kick that many. So, so sides will take something away from that. Mitchum back on the winners list, uh, one hundred and seven to sixty one over Lillardale. Um, second half, really, it was it was for relatively tight, only fifteen points at half time before Mitchum kicked away there, nine goals to four after the main break. Wani South got a big win over Upper Fentry Gully, Upper Gully twelve goals six. So finding the goals more after the Queen's birthday by the Kings, um, but incredible amount of goal kickers for the Devils as well. Kai Barlow. Led the way with five. Jackson Freeman retiring uh, from footy for the Devils there. Uh, Premiership player as well. And then, of course, Montrose and Murubak had the bye after playing on Queen's birthday. So, at the moment, Gav, Murubak and East Ringwood well clear. 48 and 44 points, respectively. And then Mitchum Croydon on 28 apiece and Wanny South on 24. Look ahead to next week. This is the season, I reckon, for for a couple of clubs here. Croydon want to maintain the rage. They're playing one turner south. And Mitchum... Yes, they're third best at the moment, but we've talked about Bayswater a lot. This is a big game for Bayswater going to Mitchum. Well, yeah, it's a chance that, you know, I think when they first played, it was only 20 or so points. It was, and and similar though, Mitchum, they only beat Lilydale by, I think, 11 points. So they've gotten a lot better as the season's gone by, and I don't think at home they would drop a game against anyone below them, uh, except probably maybe one turn of south. So... I think they're in a good spot. But you're right, it is a, a, a really important game. And I, I'm really interested in that croydon Turner south game because I actually had, I'd sort of, doing my math here, I'd penciled in a win for, for Croydon. But off the back of yesterday's performance and they're a bit, a bit flaky and they're obviously giving up. Well, Monty South I, last time had them by four goals at half time and then gave it up. Yeah. So it, 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 it is a chance for Monty South to maybe move into fourth position. Win, win, win that next week, I would be almost ready to lock him in with their, just considering other sides, their run homes. You almost look at everyone who's got Murubak and East Ringwood as a, a couple losses, a Mitch and a loss. I think they're probably just about almost there. They've got to beat, just got to beat the ones that they need to now. Well, is that in one, one turn of South? One turn of South, I'm oh, sorry. And before the buyer wrote that they had their, their first month, much like Heathmont, in, in Division 2, that their first month after Queen's birthday was going to decide their season because Wanny South played, uh, they started with, um, uh, not Montrose, uh, Beacons Beaconsfield, then Montrose, um, then yes, they obviously up a gully, and then I think they've got in the next two, they've got Bayswater maybe in two weeks. Um, yep. So I think they've got Croydon and Bayswater. So all the sides right around them, and then they finish with the Liddell and Murubak and Mitchum, and, and, uh, sorry, uh, and Murubak and East Ringwood. So they'll probably finish with a bit of inconsistency. But that, that there were the first five weeks, there was a lot of games that could decide their season. In the first half of the year, they, I think they came through it as two and three, three and two. And so far this time, they're three and oh. So even if they get one win in the next fortnight, they'll have come through yeah. four and one, and, and I would say locked it in. Um, because they yeah. took their opportunity. And then when we get to Division 2, Heathmont, on the other hand, Brash, when we do get down there, a bit more difficult run, but they haven't taken that opportunity to start. But Wani South are in, as Ryan said. They're in a pretty – it's all in their hands now. They're the, they're the un- put it this way, you're right. Uh, really, Croydon – it is Croydon and one turn of South. Those two, I just sort of feel, um, are probably the next best two after the other two if they can hold their form. Uh, I just um, Mitchum definitely is the is the third best uh, side, and look, Mitchum and um, uh, let's be honest, they've been pretty unfashionable. You know, um, they haven't destroyed side, but they've they've certainly worked them over. You know, they they keep them in the contest till maybe halfway through the third quarter, and then they hit you with that knockout punch in the last quarter and a bit, and end up winning by forty fifty points. 
that could easily happen against the top two sides if they drop their guard. Mm. So, um, I think they, I think those five sides are, are, are thereabouts. Um, but the top two stand out, and I think the the running positions third, fourth, and fifth are, is going to be a good uh, finish to the season. Well, Croydon and Morning South is presenting itself as a viable option for the match of the round. That is still up in the air this weekend, and it could like. I was having it, a look at those. I yeah, but, Cor- but Croydon could, um, you know, I'd hate to say it, but they they've shown that when they play the the top two sides, they've been. Trounced both times, and Mitchum trounced them. So the three teams above them would have trounced them. Could, he, would Mitchum and Wanny South be a viable game? It would be, but they're not playing each other. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh okay. Croydon are playing Montana South. Oh, um, there's Bayswater going to Bayswater Mitchum. going to oh, Mitchum. That Mitchum. is a viable game, but we only did Mitchum a fortnight ago. But that's an off no. So, but Croydon uh, need to worry about possibly drifting back to the pack too, Gav. Don't they? Yeah. Because they've still got to play Moorabak and Mitchum. A loss to Wanny South this weekend would would leave them even on points with Wanny South, possibly, and they'd be below them on percentage. And then all of a sudden, the clubs below them go, Wanny South aren't the target. Yeah. Croydon are. Yeah. But I think um, we as a group see their losses and go, well, they're not next. But every time they play someone below them, yeah, they them. actually they, do the opposite and yeah, tell they, them they, up. They, yeah. they, well, flog them strong, but they yeah. win. They, yeah. they banked enough wins at the start of the season in... in Low-scoring games by two or three goals, which I think is so enough the, for them to. Their bank will wins to come. They'll play up a gully, win that. and then and then they've the only. But then after that, they're no more banks, like because they'll have to play oh, Beaconsfield, tough, Beaconsfield yeah. or Beaconsfield, Montrose at home, which they lost last year, and then you've got Mitchum, Murrubuck, um, and Montana South this week. So, mm. Croydon, you know, if, this game coming up. I'm starting to convince myself that's where we should head, even though we've already <laughs> headed there this week. But like this game coming up is is big for them because lose that and it could be a bit. They'll put a lot of pressure on themselves because of their run home. But and their percentage is not. Oh, great. it's woeful, isn't it? I think it's in the 90s. It's, yeah, it's 90s, comparative yes. of where yeah. like Blackburn and Vermont are in Premier, where where they're somehow in the finals hunt with woeful percentage. They, if they lose, it goes down. <laughs> and Wanny South is already above them, and we'll we'll go further away. And mm. and sides. Um, Sides like Beaconsfield will get another percentage boost when they do play up a gully in that in that run home. But we are sort of talking in a lot of hypotheticals. Uh, hypotheticals. As much as that is enjoyable to do, we better go to a break here on the East Lane Monday Recovery. When we come back, we'll jump into Premier Division and Division 2 where we enjoyed the NADOC game and the base and jump back into the top five. Eastland's new sporting precinct, the circuit, has arrived. Race into the circuit for customised kicks, giveaways, streetwear, new stores and more. Visit eastland.com.au for more details. So did David Lang. He must have just stepped up his line there, guys. And uh, Big Gordon, not quite um, a dainty man, just snuck up on him and, <laughs> and took him out. And he's he's kicking into what is a strong breeze. He's going to probably aim for the right-hand goalpost. And this yeah, is well. bringing the Tigers back to within four points. Yep. Very close to the man on the mark, though, here, Brad. The big fella. Didn't look comfortable, but he struck it pretty That's nicely. Right. Two and a minute for the Tigers. Welcome back to the East Lane Monday Recovery. You, you might have heard in the background. I think I had us on mute. You might not have. You heard in the background Wayne Brasher still <laughs> laughing at his peer pressure into Will Faulkner. <laughs> Will's, what, week five into the media team? And Brash has got him asking the umpires to fondle the Sherrins <laughs> because they weren't pumped up enough yesterday. But welcome Mate, back to They were to floating it. all over the joint. They were, to be fair. The players did say during the reserves that they were a bit worried that the balls weren't spinning right and they did need to be uh, either pumped up or let a bit of air out of them. But all's well that ends well out there. Yeah, exactly. we, were, we were talking about the NADOC game out at Mullen yeah. Mullen. And we're in the Premier Division now. We can talk about that one in a second, but I guess we've got to start uh, across the divisions. The game sort of all went. Pretty much to plan, Brash. You know, the the one I do want to talk about is Doncaster East and Berwick. Ryan and I were talking um, off air before the show. Like, 
do we think maybe Berwick had a case of the flu or something like that? Because the week before, they'd beaten a, a pretty good Park Orchards team at, at Park Orchards and then haven't kicked a goal to the last quarter. So it will be interesting to see in the wash-up of this weekend um, and when the reports come out and, and how clubs look at it because, yeah, that maybe Berwick were missing a lot of players, but then also they, they, I thought they brought a few back when we did the weekend forecast. So, so Donny East maybe have just come out and put together a really strong performance. Well, I think... Um I, I, I think um, Doncaster is – I think Grant, the ground might have been – it might have been difficult conditions. The ground could have been pretty wet down there. It is a turf square at Everton yeah. Flack, so maybe a bit boggy, but it's not like Donny East struggled to score. But it, it's just amazing, though, when you when you look at – just take the last four, five weeks of Berwick's um, form, minus seven, minus 20, a 27-point win, a minus 30 loss and an eight-point win – and then all of a sudden they, they drop in this minus 70. It, it almost well, yeah, seems like... Um, it was a bit out of fashion yeah. because even when they've lost this year, Ryan Berwick, it's not like they've... No, they've never been smashed out. Yeah, they? like every loss. We've sort of said, you know, they're, they're better than second last. They're better than second last. Well, yesterday but they played like a team that's second last. Well, Travis Tuck missed that's, that game in round 10, was yeah. back in round and came back into that side. Yeah, that's what I mean. So did Ryan Bromley. So, yeah, I, I'm, the more I think about it, maybe Gav Donny East were just on song. Yeah, and that's the thing. Sometimes, sometimes you, the other way you look at it, um, sometimes you're only allowed to play as well as the opposition lets yeah. you, Gav. Well, I went and watched Donny East uh, beat South Croydon, and, and I was I admired their half-back line. I know it's, you know, Simon White's. You know, yeah, roaming, but he wasn't named in the best. But what they seem to do is once they get the ball off you, they overlap so well that it's very tiring for the opposition to, A, try to chase the person with the ball and then chase the person they've given it to because they're always overlapping. They're moving the ball constantly sideways and forward. So I, I just think if they control the ball off half back, Sometimes the opposition, and we saw it against Donny in the forecast game where they just started chipping it from side to side for five minutes yeah. even. And it, and what it does, it just it sucks the energy out of the yeah. other team. And the opposition is like, oh, do we have to keep chasing these guys? Yeah. And then eventually <laughs> they go, oh, bugger it, and then they kick a goal. So, yeah, yeah it, you're right. Maybe the more and more I think about this, initially I thought Berwick had, had, were just under man, but the more and more I think about it, 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 it might be clear that Donny Ace to bounce well, the, back from their the loss. The other thing is too, Gav, a couple of weeks I've, back. I've seen Simon White myself a few times and I keep coming I keep the question I keep asking myself after time I watch him play, do you feel that the um do you think that the oppositions are gonna waste a forward um to try and tag Simon White? They should. But to but his football smarts oh, yeah. seems like he's Yeah, but even like, even if you could you, you, tag, you, you, you no, tag you know him? he's gonna have an influence. Yeah, he probably probably it wouldn't be like a uh, a proper like run with, but it might be that you know if you look at South Croydon, they might send a, a Tyler Charlton and go just make sure every mark, get, just it, make sure every mark he goes yeah. for, he has to beat someone. He can't just float across the side because you look at South Croydon for example yesterday. Obviously Wilson's the main man, but they've got a couple Sheridan and yeah. and so on that could do something like that. So maybe it is sort of a you know just just make sure follow White. If he if he takes ten marks, we want him to be ten contested. None of them can just be across the and, front of the pack. And we, when we watched him at Doncaster, he had pretty much free rights to, yeah. to roam around where he wants. So that's yeah, what you're saying. If you can just limit his influence and and don't allow him to have free run of the ball, and just, just he'll kill you. Yeah, look, they're definitely they're right in the. I think they're right in the mix, Doncaster East. They are right in yeah. the mix. Well, we, we talk about the, the ladder in this competition. So they're they're sitting now in fourth, but it looks like that top three are. 
starting to pull away, not not only just in points. Obviously, Baldwin are only one more win ahead. They won just comfortably against Doncaster. They pretty decent game of football to watch, I'm sure, but at no point did you really think the Sharks were going to roll the Tigers. Baldwin always in front by, by about three goals. Ended, been... ended out winning by um, 22 points. And then... But it's an Achilles heel game for Baldwin. Yeah, perhaps. And then... so they, they don't blow them out of the water regardless of where Don, they play. Doncaster have probably exceeded expectations this year. Noah Park, um, as we've said countless times, seemed to be the best team in it there. Obviously, two games clear um, of fourth place Doncaster East and then Roval a further game clear. So those top three, gave now look to be pretty comfortable yeah. at the top of the ladder. Mm-hmm. And the, the thing that I note is that they're, you know, especially Noah Park and Ball when they're the, the highest scoring sides in the competition too. So their scoring power seems to be superior to, to the other sides. Yeah, they've... Um it's all in evidence now. You can't nah, can't deny right. Roval, Noble Park, and Baldwin. The, ra- the race is now for top two because the, it's coming out today. The explainer of the finals once again, a refresher. But the top two get a week off yeah. and play in a in a qualifier, and then everyone else is pretty much just playing straight knockouts the whole way through. So Baldwin will be desperate. I don't know if they play Roval again. I can have a quick look, but Baldwin having lost the Noble, um, they'll they'll need to pinch to to squeeze in. They'll either need Noble or Roval to trip up. Or they'll need to pinch them when they play them They've again. Got Roval the last round of the season, right? And so then, that's a big one for them. And then No will play Roval as well a couple of weeks before that. So that 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 last three weeks is going to decide who's going to get the double chance in this competition. Yeah. But but No will put on another strong performance yesterday. Brash um, beating Vermont by five goals, inaccurate kicking too. Five they won by five goals, thirteen. Um, but you know, to be honest, Vermont, I was expecting it to be a big blowout. I know inaccurate kicking, but Vermont actually did pretty well, all things considered. They did. I. The Oracle had Vermont at 44 and they got 43 or something. Uh, 48. Yeah, so the Oracle wasn't too far off the score on that. I just think that, uh, look, I think at the start of the day, I'll put my Vermont hat on here. I I was a bit concerned at the start of the day thinking that Noble Park were going to just come to Vermont and just run all over them. But looking at the result, all right, they went down by 43 points. Yeah, it's a it's a beating, but it's not as bad as what I thought it could no. be. No, well, like I said, the inaccurate kicking might be the one thing that will be alarming. You'd have to probably go back and watch the game to see yeah. whether Noble were that dominant, Ryan. But, you know, from a Noble Park point of view, the, the better thing for them is that, you know, no Martin in the best players, you know, the goals, that they're finding goals from everywhere now. You know, there's there's no real reliance. You know, if we look at the top yep. sort of seven or eight goal kickers in the comp, Noble don't. It's not like Noble rely on one or right. two players. No, they don't. And and we we talked about it yesterday with South Croydon where they're a bit behind because their bottom five or six probably aren't quite at the level as a Noble Park. Who, if you looked on every single line, they if they're not they're, if they're not a star or not one of the players that are in their best every week, they play their role and they do it well, and that's why they. Remain, remain in the side and you can look at a guy like Keane who's played I think almost every game of the season and probably he doesn't get the the yeah he doesn't but he, he does his job and that's where they're at at the moment and um, you, you can speak about the goal kickers and you look at Vermont on, on, on the no, other hand Noble's leading goal kicker is Shane Allen with 23 and there's yeah. no, no He's other goal after games. Yeah, and no other goal kicker though in the top ten, which I think is a real. And the same with Roval. Roval have only got one goal kicker in the top ten yet, and they're one of the best yet, attacking yet sides. Noble, I think, are the highest scorers in the competition, or second behind yeah. Bowen by about half a goal. And then Roval are not that far behind them. So I think that's a real good indicator, Gab, that, that they've got to spread both those sides. Oh, definitely. I just can I ask Brash something yep. historical and emotional about yep. Noble Park versus Vermont? Yep. Do Noble Park being a more southeastern club, 
Um, do they travel in numbers to Vermont and would they have the support there yesterday with that kick-on? So is that the yeah, Noble Park? Uh, they good travellers in yeah, supporter they, base. Yeah, they're they're very solid, very solid travel. Um, they, Especially when they're winning, Brad. Yeah. Well, look, there's more. Obviously, it's a um, most times Noble Park hire a bus. Yeah. Right, and they bring people up in in a bus sometimes because of the thing. And so, I mean, if you're going to hire a bus, I mean, that I think it says something that you, your club wants the, that. You can follow your club. I mean, uh, look, it, they're a strongly supported club, Noble Park, and they have been throughout the years compared to Baldwin, whose people don't travel very well hmm. at all. Um, I think, um, and, and vice versa, Vermont Vermont are a very good travelling. Yeah. Um, they'll, go, they'll go and support. I think, um, I think <laughs> put it this way, I can understand if, for argument's sake, if Pakenham were in Premier Division, I think you'd be stretching a bit to get a few Vermont people going yeah. down to Pakenham. Well, uh, fortunately, <laughs> that's not an issue. No, um, I know, but we're lucky that. We're, <laughs> but I mean, even Berwick, I mean, even even Berwick's far. Enough. Yeah, did they, what, tra- did they travel to Vermont when they played? And what? But what you'll find with Berwick and Beaconsfield is they're really keen to make sure that they understand that. So they will travel well and they'll make an effort when people come to put on a show because they want to they, – they, they know they are sort of – yeah. yeah. I have I, – look, I have great – to be honest with you, Gav, I have great faith in both Berwick and, and Beaconsfield being successful in this competition. And whether we like it or not, I want them to succeed because of the exact factor that Matt just said because – It'll bring if if they're competitive, people will go and watch local football regardless of where it is. And those two being in the top two divisions, uh, they will travel. Well, well, so and well, he knows that. Well, yeah, well, they, absolutely, they will. They they love victories. Who doesn't? A lot of a lot yeah. of people come out of the bushes when your team's going well. Yeah. Um, just quickly, we we'll go back to that Bourne Doncaster game. Quick shout out for one of my favourites, Cole Vickers. Another four goals. He's second on the goal kicking table, Ryan, with thirty one majors, playing as a four foot nine full forward in a team that averages about sixty points a game. It is actually it is incredible that this is. man has kicked thirty one goals this year. Incredible. Yeah, it is, and. It, is he no? We watched him. He probably had it more one of his more quieter games. Still managed. I think he still kicked, kicked, a, kicked a goal. I think they had individual goal kickers that day. day. He did on that day. He was still in. He was still. He was in, still in, in their best. He's, he's a smooth mover. Uh, yeah, because he knows. He still knows how to hunt the ball and and and, and he chase deliver down. the ball. Yeah, he and did. his skills. His yeah, skills skill are good. like you watch some of the highlights throughout the week. He kicking goals. Mark Jamar yes. three goals. Scav we, again. We saw him that day. Back to that day in round two. I wanted him put down. Yeah, exactly. He was in no danger <laughs> of pulling a muscle. He, the, the, but you got to you got to give it to the big fella. He's yeah. he's in recent weeks he's been playing good footy against Blackburn last week. You watch that watch the tapes. He he gave them some a, a structure down forward and, and did well in ruck contest. Kicked a goal out of the ruck contest and then yesterday mm. three goals. So clearly. Clearly starting to hit some sort of form. And I just wanted to mention Zach Clark was best on ground maybe last week or the yep. week before. Is he, is he probably, Zach Clark, the form ruckman of the comp uh, for well, Donny East? Let's float down to Mullen Mullen because we saw Max King. He wasn't named in South Korean's best, but okay. he's probably the biggest influence on any team, I think, in the division in terms of if you, if Max King has a poor game, I find it hard, Brash, to see South Korean winning that many games because when he did rest forward, that was about the only time Nord had half a sniff of winning it out of the middle.
Well, the only time he went down to rest was around the twenty second. Yeah, there was the third yeah. quarter. Scotty, Scotty on the man, he said they've just they've just sent him down to have a break in the yeah, twenty nine minute mark. But the respirator. There, but there were passages. We think back to Anzac Day, um, where there was a five minute passage where he's. He, it's not just winning the hit out; it's just the craft. Mm. You know, there was times. How many state, times did he just hit it straight to down the throat of Dano King? Dano King, Kilpatrick, yep. uh, Williams, Walker. They just so occasionally just walk it out of the centre. So he and Zach Clark and Jake Spencer are the three premier ruckmen. Yep, and. And you can tell when, when they get on top, their sides get runs on. Team yeah. of the year or representative side, first ruck, forward pocket. Uh, Max King's the first ruck. I think Zach Clark rotates in. I think Zach's yeah. body's probably Clark, a bit... You've got to remember, Clark's played, and Clark's played AFL footy, so his body's probably... Whilst he's fitter, it's also been probably bruised up a bit more and it's had more put into it. So Max is still playing some of his best okay. footy, but... I know Seth Corrin actually, for some reason, want to try and find a ruckman so I can play Max full forward. Well, so that's, it's, why, that's always yeah. been their preference. I know it's it? their preference, but I look at it and go, he's, yeah. he's so yeah, he's so crafty with his hitouts. Well, but they did have. Uh, they got Swiss Bolek again. I've probably butchered that name, but he's playing for Coburg. So, so he's the year before they did. Have they had Zach Munker signed, course, yeah. but then with the pandemic, COVID, yeah. he went back to Wurri Alex. So. Yeah, they're, they're desperate to find that. But yesterday, Brash South Corrin, like Ryan said initially there, you know, they play a re- I, I like the style of footy they play. They're good to watch. You know, five goals to three in the first quarter. It, it was a really nice game to watch. As you can see in the scores, five goals to one in the third term. Pretty much was the difference between the two sides. Um, you know, they had a spread of goal kickers, two to the Wombat Mallison, James Wilson, Max King, Dano King. Uh, Paddy Clepp was really good uh, with his ball use. Jordan Walker was understated, as was Geordie Williams. Um, what do you? Th- how how do they close the gap on Roval Noble and Baldwin? Well, I because think it, we looking talk- at the ladder, they can they've conceded almost a thousand points, and that's going to be their that's their Achilles here with their bottom with their bottom six not being as strong as as the top three or four. That could be their Waterloo. I no problem with them. Well, their, their defence is the only defence that's conceded more than South Korean this year is North Ringwood. Do they look a bit? They look a bit light on for heights in defence. Do you? Agree? Uh, a little bit. I, I thought got no problems with them going for. They're a dangerous no. side when they get going, as you saw in the third quarter. I think just defensively, the way they used the ball, they turned it over a lot, and a lot of the times they were able to get out of trouble. Yeah, they because, weren't punished. Were no, they, they weren't because Norwood obviously undermanned down there as well, and didn't. Yeah, didn't make them. You if, know, for the argument's sake, Brian, if they turned the, where in some of the places that. South Croydon turned the ball over in their forward 50. I reckon sides like Norwood and and uh, not Norwood. I, no I reckon Noble and Baldwin and, and Rowe. Well, there were periods where South... Well, they would have, like you, you, you two said in the special comments, like the South Croydon would turn it over and then they'd be able to recover it because yeah. Norwood would either, you know, just they were very young. So players either over-possessing or, you know, getting the blinkers on and just thinking goals, whereas when Norwood turned it over and, you know, a, a Kilpatrick, gathers it, he's got poise, calm, goal. So there was moments where, yeah, Norwood had him on toast and then just couldn't finish the job. I think that I, what I, where I was going with that was against a better side where South Croydon turned the ball over in their forward 50, I reckon the top two or three sides would have converted. Oh, yeah, yeah. Not like, well, Noble, Noble, you, you wouldn't be allowed, you wouldn't get away with it. And then, no. and we de- and obviously yeah. Roville, you, you've seen Roville, yeah. Brash and Ray when he's come in, their, their game is built off turnover. So, yeah. so they definitely wouldn't miss an you opportunity. You can see why Doncaster has been by 54 points. You can see why Noble had a really strong win over them just because of, uh, that defensive half that I think is probably lacking a bit of um, well, a bit of well polish. Of, that well, they were well out of the contest against Ball in the week before. Well, they, they I spoke on, to obviously we spoke to Braden Kilpatrick on 
on air, and then we we're just chatting before, and he was saying the Bulwark game. They came home, but they haven't played four quarters in a while. He was saying. Okay. So Noble Park, I think Noble got out to a hot start, and they were nowhere near getting back into it. Yeah. All when they let out to a start and almost reeled them back in. Doncaster East, I, th- I don't know where it was, but uh, if you look, time. but the if you look, there's, good. there's. He was saying there's always been about a quarter where they have a flat spot. Um, and yesterday again, it's hard to tell whether they did have a flat spot because if they did, Nord didn't capitalise. No. So that'll be interesting when they play um, those sides on the run home again. They'll play a number of them, I guess, a second time where, think, where those flat spots are occurring. I think the telling part of the game uh, was a five-minute uh, a five-minute uh, cameo from uh, Dan King in the third quarter. Well, the two, yeah. the two Kings, Max and, yeah, Max and Dan, like Dan. we said. Max putting it down his throat and, and Dano sort of yeah. a, a five-minute spurt where he had about four centre clearances. A couple of one-percenters at Dan King laid uh, one-and-a-half forward, which... Nor would look like they were going to take the ball and, and punt the ball in their forward 50, actually created a goal. And there was a smother um, in the midfield where uh, where a Norwood player had taken possession of the ball and looked like he was going to kick the ball, deliver the ball to a player at centre forward. Two crucial one percenters and actually turned the ball over and, cre- and set up two goals. And plus Max King. I mean, at times he looked like Ryan, he was threatening to take the game away, such his dominance was in patches. Yeah, he was. And he just gave him first use of the ball yep. all afternoon when he was there. So that's why that second quarter, I think, played majority of the game in the forward line, if, uh, if I'm from memory. Yeah, and then they've done that before Anzac Day. They sort of, he kicked two goals before halftime, and, and Marcus Bazzaglo said that day that they sort of, they were like, oh, and obviously that is their preference. So they sort of held him there, held him there, because they, they wanted to not butcher his body and then. Blackburn got right up to level and then they had to put him back on yeah. ball. So, One yeah. word on the losers, Matt. Well, as you had to say, we, I, I just want to give a shout-out to to, their, to Norwood. Watching them there, you can – like, that was not – that's their B-plus team. Yeah. Like like we said countless times, they're missing their best four or five players. Yeah, um, like you want the, to give a shout-out to Callum Spurrell. We speak yeah. about how good Max King was. Spurrell was undersized both in weight yeah. and height, you know, and, and did – did well. He wasn't. He wasn't embarrassed. And then even in their best players, Hayden Kemp and Griffin uh, Everly were their their five and six, like and, and and they played really well. You, you think Kennedy's got some bright spots? Um, yeah, there was plenty. There's plenty to like about. Or maybe this might be the year with injuries, where when they get all their good players back, but because of the injuries they've had, they've been able to promote youth and create some more depth. To, to all the Norwood people out there, let's. I mean, because we deal in possessions and, and, and numbers when we look at it, everything statistically minded. I, Norwood had over 200, uh, 200 possessions in play quality out of their side yesterday. And these were quality players. So for them to actually be competitive for, for where they were, considering their loss of talent, I reckon they did a fair job. Yeah, they a real did. fair job. Yeah, they did. And they were well and truly in that game that... Second quarter you know, they, they at half time, they, well, they and then Kemp kicked the first one up to half time, and we thought game on. They yeah. didn't shirk the issue; it was just that their lack of polish and, and turnovers through inexperience was the thing that hurt them for, uh, for most of the afternoon. We, we, we better we better move on, Ryan. Right. I had to cut you off because we've still got a couple of games to just quickly go through. Park Orchards beat uh, North Ringwood one hundred fourteen to seventy eight. Connor Hickey kicked five there uh, and was second best on, along with Ryan Wilson, what under Brandon Leonard of North Ringwood, their best player. Doesn't look like North will, un- will unfortunately get a win this season. Uh, and then obviously Blackburn and Roville 
is the other one there. Uh, half time, two goals in it, and then Roeville kicked away seven goals to four. After the break at a, at a muddy Morton Park lock and win to kick four, he's starting to hit some form. Jake Arundel and Tyrese Liu playing some impressive games. So Roeville on 40 points, they're out on top of the ladder. Noble will have the double chance at this stage. Well, not the double chance, they'll get the week off. Uh, uh, well, sorry, double chance and a week off uh, in second place. Ball in a game further back from them in third. And then you've got Donny S and South Croydon safe in finals now. So there's six points out of six, the two of them. So there's no way I can see, you know, mm. that, that those two teams fall out of finals because even if they lose to the three above them, they'll win the games they have to win. The interesting race after that is Park Orchards are now uh, the front runner to stealing Blackburn's spot. They're now seventh, Blackburn in sixth, half a game ahead of them, but Park Orchards' percentage is superior. Vermont down in um, eighth, Norwood in ninth, Doncaster, Berwick and Northringwood rounding it out. So, Gav, you know, Park Orchards... You know, it's all in front of them. They should have a pretty comfortable draw too because as the promoted side, they would have the easier of the run home, so they might be able to sneak home. You, you uh, did uh, contradict yourself. The percentage is not relevant because of Blackburn's draw. Good point. So, uh, yeah, I think – are they playing head-to-head? Uh, I, haven't, I haven't looked at it. I haven't they, looked they, at it. They, so, sorry. They, they, might, they might do because Blackburn, Blackburn would have been in the middle rung of the fixture. So yeah, when they, you're doing a fixture, you break it into three. So you've got – Let's have your a top four, here. your Black, middle four, sorry. and your bottom four. Blackburn's last two is against Park Orchards and Vermont. Well, there you ah, go. There you so go. it's going to... Wow, it, that's great. Park Orchards, you know, it's it's going to be decided between them. But unfortunately, it looks like Vermont with injuries to, to Robbie Ross and Jenkins. And they're just running out of soldiers at the moment. The Eagles will float down now to Division 2. Uh, and we'll start at Jubilee Park because Heathmont, after last week's win... Uh, Ryan over the basin, away from home. You know, they were starting to get a bit confident that they might be able to hit some form and, and lock up fifth spot. They're now down to seventh after getting absolutely paired by a Ringwood team that are hitting their straps. Yeah, it puts them in a, a bit of a difficult spot. Um, um, it, it now turns out that next week's game against Mulgrave is just crucial for uh, any chance well, the of Well, the losers out of that one. Yeah, you would just on, them out. While you mentioned Mulgrave, they lost by 30 points to East Bill despite uh, leading by four goals at halftime. They kicked one goal to 11 after the break. So both those teams are on 20 points. As you were about to say, next week they play, losers out yep. of it. Yeah, exactly. And look, I don't think anyone would have expected them to beat Ringwood. I think they probably thought it could be quite competitive, as we spoke about yesterday, Brash. They seem to be able to trade games. Not 60 points. No, no. not a 60-point thrashing. No, and uh, look, I think Division 2 was sort of like the top three are very much like it is in Div 1. you got two clear four front runners in South Belgrave. Oh, yeah, East Bell at a yeah. 14 points clear of Baronia in yeah. fourth. So uh, I, I think um, – I just think that uh, – I, I think Ringwood I, – I said yesterday I'm still trying to find an Achilles heel for – South Belgrove, I can't find one yet because they haven't even, in my opinion, they haven't put their best side on the park. Well, that but that that might be it because come finals you'd be tempted to put plug all your so Taylor Garner's still recovering. You got Damien, you got Tim Smith, you got Lee Odomat is apparently on track to come back for finals. That's the only thing I can see. Maybe there'll be too many blokes in there. They might all get in each other's way having not played together. But I'm clutching at straws. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I I just think. I think if you're asking me heading into a final series, I, I I would be a lot more bullish on Ringwood because of their consistency as a playing group. And maybe they might benefit from not being the hunted, if you know what I yeah. mean. Like in recent years, Ringwood have always been the team where everyone's waiting for them to, to trip up. But but now that everyone's looking at South Belgrave and then East Build are a bit of a story, um, you know, the way that they've surged up the divisions, maybe Ringwood will benefit from not being in the limelight. I think what... 
Ringwood has actually, I think actually Ringwood has done Heathmont a bit of a favour here because I think it's, I think he's given Nick Rutley the exact answer to where I think or he thinks Heathmont are at this season. Well, now he'll know. So it's it's a weird one, Gav, because the, so the Basin um, rolled Baronia yesterday in in an, a really exciting game. So uh, at halftime it was seven goals two to one goal five. So Basin just kicked five goals to one point in the second quarter. Got out to a handy 33-point lead, you know, in, in between two sides that rarely really kick big scores. Then Baronia kicked seven goals, five to one goal. Incredibly hit the front at three-quarter time before kicking one behind in the last, going down by seven points. Dion Boavita kicked five, uh, was best on ground. Hayden Smith from Rangers, second best for the Bears. So they then, the Bears, after last week being a bit of a, a panic station because they were sinking further and further away, they had the perfect weekend because Mulgrave and Heathmont tripped up. Well, not tripped up, but they lost. Yeah. And then the Basin have just swan back into fifth spot. Yeah, well, Everything's fine. So I hear Baronia um, lock them in for 15 minutes after half time because they've turned around a game by 33 points yeah. um, to lead the by Basin seven. The Basin WA time. The alarm didn't go off. <laughs> they've just gone, hang on. The, um, yeah, interesting how that game turned. Good on Basin, though, to even with wind or whatever that helped. Well, three-quarter time, I'm sure that, it would have been. been. It was at Tormore, so there was no doubt wind. Yeah. Uh, we don't know which direction it was blowing. But Justin Stanton, what's he saying at three-quarter time, Gav? Because the first half, that, that's their... their that's their <laughs> No, but their first their first half, he's like, that's it. That's our footy. Because a lot we keep saying that they're yeah. definitely not the fifth-best team. And then at three-quarter time, he must be pulling whatever hair's left yeah. because they can't seem to play four quarters, but they've done well to get back on the winners. Ryan, how frustrating, how frustrated do you think Matty Clark will be? Because he yeah. must think that this, he must think that the Basin is their bogey side and every time they're on a roll, Barone, and they come right. up against the Basin. I think, but I'm sure, I'm sure the Basin would say the exact same yeah. thing. Yeah. I think the worst thing for them was the fact that they played 20 good minutes of footy for the whole day and it they kick seven goals in that. And, and they only lost by a goal and, or so. Yeah, they yeah. only lose by seven points. So Taylor Leggett, when he's on, from all reports in that third quarter, just took the game by the scruff of the neck and, and really turned it on, kicked a couple goals, um, was really dominant. They need him to probably play a four-quarter game at that level and they'll Someone must really have contend. done something in the last quarter to keep – must have done a job on him in the last yeah, quarter. Yeah, I'll tell you, no one, no one was on Dion Boavito. He's he kicked five goals out of ten. He kicked four very quickly in the second quarter. Boavito. Yeah, yeah, in a row. So um, he's important. And uh, apparently Tom Weir did a, a really good job on um, Robertson down back up. Robertson up forward. Um, yeah. He held him to two goals and probably limited his influence. Some, some young fellas popping up. So Christian Poe and Hayden Smith uh, having pretty decent games. They're both Eastern Rangers. So some future there at the base. And so, yeah, a really intriguing season the Bears are having. And honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if they sort of got on a roll at the right time and, and finished fifth but somehow made a prelim because they have smacked up East Billard the one yeah. time they've played them. So East Billard are probably – I think East Billard and, and Ringwood and other sides are sort of hoping that the Basin – Somehow so fall five, out to five in top the five, top five. So, so I mean, look, I I, I think Baronia will still win enough games to to stay. Yeah, so Baronia have still got Knox, Templestowe, Heathmont to come. So if they win all those three, they should be comfortable. Elimination final. They're not going to get the double chance. No. The double chance is locked up. Ringwood and Eastbury would look like they'll play in the first week with South yep. Borough having the week off. It's still sort. Mulgrave and Heathmont, like we're saying, next week will eliminate one of them. Yep. The loser will, will probably be out of the finals race and then the other one will just have to, to beat, uh, try and catch up to the Basin or Baronia uh, as, the, as the year progresses. But the Basin have moved back into 
the box seat there. Knox got their third win of the year over Oakley, Dix- Oakley District, 121 to 30. Uh, almost tripped up there, Gav. Yes. Harrison Greaves, four. Kieran Ed- Edwards, four. So good win there for, for Knox. That's three wins for them. Uh, we've already mentioned that East Burwood came from behind really well. And then South Belgrave, Gav. You know, Brash was talking about we're trying to find an Achilles heel. Uh, the second quarter was four goals to two, Temple Stowe's way. But other than that, uh, it was another pretty impressive performance from the Saints. Six goals to Tim Smith. He was best on ground. Um, they've lost one game all year to Mulgrave. Uh, I, there's not much more we can really say about South no, Belgrave. It's no. pretty much, Gav, it's, it's their premiership to lose. Yeah, but I think Ringwood, if I can just divert for a second, with Jordan off playing his third game back, mm. means they've got now multiple kickers and that's where South Belgrave dominate. And, and more height just in yeah. general. So I think if uh, if you can actually get goals, so South Belgrave you need score, scoreboard pressure otherwise eventually they'll just keep ticking over and I think what we've seen this weekend is Ringwood emerge with more options. Um, there's some dangerous sides in there but South Belgrave they just, if they get their hands yeah. on it they will score. Absolutely. Uh, the, the Jordan of things is a good, good one because he's bobbing up with goals, but also he's, he's going to help out in the ruck because that's probably areas where I think when we watched him at East Burwood, um, Zach Hanlon had a uh, – I'm not sure. Was Zach Hanlon? I'm pretty sure he was playing. Yeah, 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 he, yeah had he, was. A, he had a pretty good day. So um, that's an area. And Mitch Garner is the – they reckon the recruiter of the year for South Borough So if Jordan of can uh, negate his influence on the game, uh, that'll be a handy one there. So that Division 2 ladder, uh, before we go to the break, is South Borough out on top on 44 points. Ringwood and East Bill, as we've mentioned a couple of times, they're safe in second and third. They'll just sort of battle it out between themselves, both on 40 points. Baronia, uh, uh, two and a half games back on 26 points after their loss yesterday. The Basin jump into fifth on 22. So with that draw, um, you know, percentage doesn't matter for the two of them. Uh, Mulgrave and Heathmont on 20 points apiece. Play each other next week, as we said, out at H.A. Park. A loser will be out of the running for this year. Templestowe on 16, Knox on 12, and Oakley District on nothing, unfortunately, for the districts. We're going to go to another break here on the uh, Eastland Monday Recovery. When we come back, we'll jump down to the bottom two divisions, Division 3 and Division 4. He's about 40 out. He's going to have to. He's going to play on, run around, give himself some room. Set sail for home. Samuel Hart. Yes. He's got it. Back to four points. What a good goal that was. The Red Jackets are up and about. Nine, Welcome back to the Eastland Monday Recovery with Matthew Fodia, Gav Casey, Ryan Long and Wayne Brasher. We're into Division 3 now and uh, out at Wally Chu, Fentrigalli got another win. So their three and a half wins have come in the last four weeks of uh, action and they 13-20-98 to 10-7-67. So the game was tight late, but obviously that Fentrigalli had... 33 scoring shots to 17 shows that they were the better team across the day. Jack Flannery, their recruit from Nary Warren, kicked eight uh, goals. So he's starting to play the last some, two weeks. Yeah, is it? So he's starting to play some really good footy in that front. I think he's moved into on the goal kicking uh, tally there. 21 goals. So French Gallery Eagles, he and Kieran Gray have 43 between them. So they're starting to climb up the top 10 leaderboard there. It takes the gully out of the bottom two, Ryan Long, and it puts Glenn Waverley in the bottom two. There's two narratives to come out of this. Yep. Glenn Waverley, unfortunately, seemed like they might be lucky, lucky, un, un, unlucky last. And then Furniture Gully, the dream's still on. If they win all their remaining games, which at the moment is a possibility, they could sneak into fourth. I did think it was a ridiculous thing a couple of weeks ago, but I'm... Well, and Gav actually started it randomly. Yeah. <laughs> Gav had miscounted how many rounds there were left, but it, it still yeah. might come off. The, uh, look, the, they're, obviously, we said... Um, in that first half of the season, that they were a much better side than where they were at. They were never belted. I think they got within, 
you know, a couple of goals of the top sides, but they just well, couldn't, they, couldn't beat the three points to Waverley Blues. So yeah, yeah, and similar similar uh, games to I think Warren Don, and Donvale. Donvale as well. So once they got going and their their offensive uh, structure looks a lot better now that Flannery's um, kicking kicking quite uh, quite a big. Uh, Eight goals and the four the, the well, week twelve before. in two. Kieran so, Gray similar form. Yep, and and then their their percentage is actually the third best in the competition now. So look, they've got to do everything right from here. But obviously, they've put themselves in a, a bit of a hole early in the season, which will probably cost them. But you would think now that re- relegation it would be a very very uh, very tough to see being relegated from here, Rush. It would. And just going on. <laughs> he was sitting there like the Zen master, his hands on his stomach, forgot to turn himself on. Uh, you're right, Ryan. Uh, when you look at uh, – have they left their run too rate? Six six losses but under 15 points in those opening eight rounds, right? Will, will it come back to haunt them? I hope not because it will be great to see a club get on a big run. And and and, and, and the, the Waverley, Waverley Blues will be supporting everyone that plays Furniture Gully. Exactly. Because Tom Langford told us they were the best team they've played. So Waverley Blues will be sitting there hoping next week Warren and I can get up and, and just quash this sort of renaissance. Uh, Matt, I think on the Friday preview you said that Luke McComb came back into the Yeah, side. well, he was named right? in the forward pocket. So um, If they can get him back and, uh, and get some games into him, he, and they make the finals. They could give it. They they could throw a scare. Well, there's a statistic that matters. Is the scoreboard 98, 13, 20 could be better. 121 against Fair Park. They scored 108 against Whitehorse Pioneers. So the run is on the back of some forward efficiency. Mm. You know they've got some grunt in the guts. They can get. Well, that was their thing in the yeah. early up there. They were matching teams in the midfield. Their defence was holding up. And they just couldn't kick a winning score. Yeah. So and it's a big thing- change. The other thing is too, Gav, the only side, when you look at, <laughs> they've lost all these games, but they're still capable of kicking over 100 points. Um, let's look at uh, Pioneers. Of, Pioneers can't well, get Well, good segue, they, Brash. Before before you talk about them, I'll just do their score. So it's, yep. a, it's, it's cold stream, half-time, game was on the line, a goal, or pretty much, sorry, two points of difference, 28 to 26. After half-time, cold stream kicked seven goals, eight to three goals, three to win by 31 points. Darcy Fridge, 50th game for the club, back from Williamstown, kick four. Lockie Koga has played his two games this year. The last fortnight, he's been best on and second best on in both those games. So so good to say that for cold stream. Uh, but yeah, Whitehorse, they've sunk like a stone in recent times. They have, and I, the thing is, I don't. They they can't kick. Like they, for some reason, Padbury can't get in. Doesn't seem to be able to get a month. I'd be goals. worried about Whitehorse's defence. So they've they've conceded the second most. So yeah. Fair Park have conceded a uh, thousand points over their eleven games, and then Whitehorse are the next worst defence with eight hundred seventy four points against. Which is it, it's a worrying statistic given that they've still got to play. Um, they've got to play some crunch games now. So I know they've had a pretty of a tricky run because they've already played uh, Donvale, Coldstream and Wavy Blues. But the big games now for Whitehorse Gav come up in the next few next month because they're playing sides around them and they're well and truly now in a relegation race. And definitely because weren't you uh, talking about home and away? They haven't, they haven't, haven't won away and I'm pretty sure if Brash will have the stats, they're differential away. It's not just that they're not winning away. They're, they're a different football side away from home. Well, all I got is overall, but they're minus 59 first quarter, minus 29 second quarter, plus 18 for the third, and minus 46 in the fourth quarter, Whitehorse Pioneers. So there is no, 
there is really no on the scoreboard. They're not winning many games of, court, uh, of quarters. Uh, Gav. Yeah, so we could get quarters sucked. of footy. Yeah, <laughs> we could get sucked into the relegation battle easily because if you're fifth, you've got a sniff of finals. Maybe, but you also got your the rear vision mirror. Well, the thing that's throwing it out of whack is where Fentragelli are, isn't it? Yeah. Because we all know that they're better than that. But but Coldstream shouldn't be having to look over their shoulder because they've done a lot of good work. Can they look ahead? And with the lineup, it seems a lot more settled with Fritch yeah. coming back and, in. And Koga. So, Koga playing well. So Fritch and Koga would add the spine. Mitch Edmonds has been their, their leading goal kicker, I think, this year. Yeah, so he's got 24. So... Now that they've got those three, they already had such a strong midfield. Yeah, it's starting to yeah they're starting to, to Carrigan in the best is always good yep. because that means they got run off half back wing. Yep. So Sheldon Smith's in, in the ruck, Jesse Lee. Yeah, Coldstream are starting to add. So you're right, mathematically they'd be looking over their shoulder at Furniture Gully, but yes, it's Coldstream probably they broke yeah, well, drop that's, out that's because they, they've still got to play. I think they've still got to play Scoresby and next, Fair Park. So yeah, the next three is the Scoresby Fair Park and Glen Waverley. So so if they're fair dinkum, they'll, yeah, they'll wrap that up in the yeah. Coldstream will wrap it up in the next three weeks. Where's that Scoresby game at home? Uh, it's at that's no, at Scoresby, and then they'll play Glen Waverley at Glen Waverley and Fair Park at home. But if they're going to be a final side, even at Scoresby, they they should win all three of those. And then really, they've still got to play um, uh, Domvale and the Waverley Blues. So Coldy, they could you know we're talking about them being the ones that are susceptible, Gav. But if they mm. win all these games with the players coming back, they could also jump into top two. Yep. Well, well, the mathematics they, is impossible well, they once win they win three. Pretty for Furniture Gully and others. Even though yeah, the exactly. Gully, yeah. Gully have still got to win win all their games. Yeah, the Gully have to win all their games and they need people to trip over. And unfortunately... And, they, and even if Coldy do pick up, win three of the next five, they're playing finals anyway. That's, yeah. yeah, so as Gab's saying, if Coldy win those three winnable games in the next three weeks, lock it away. The problem yeah. for Furniture Gully is not only do they have to win all their games... They need some help, and we can't see. I know scores about the ball yesterday, so but we can't see Whitehorse, Glenwavy, Fair Park helping them out. Unfortunately, no. can we? So, no. um, uh, the, as much as the dream still still lives on, uh, we, we probably do have to add a little bit of reality to that one. They're certainly controlling their own destiny here. Well, though. look, Fringigali, <laughs> they'll just be happy they're out of the bottom two. Yeah. Uh, Donvale got a massive win over Warrandyte by one point, um, and you can't blame bad kicking because Warrandyte kicked eleven goals too. And lost so eleven two sixty eight to ten nine sixty nine. Donvale, Warrandyte were up nine two to three straight at half time. So I know the wind wreaked havoc across the competition, but you would have thought thirty eight points in front um, at half time is probably enough. But not not to do. They only kicked two goals after the break, or Donvale slammed on uh, seven nine of their own. Nick Murphy kicked three, so he's been good since his return. Looks like Ethan Duncan's have to, had to move back yeah, after I- his thirteen. Not on the score sheet. Tommy Tout kicked five. For Warren Dyke, Tom Grimes was their best. James Rouser, uh, the best for Donvale. A really big win for Donvale, Gav, because now they're in second spot. Um, and they've got some, obviously, they're a good side, so they're going to win plenty of games uh, in the run home. It'd be great to get a deep dive on this game where a team winning, leading by 38 points at half time can get swamped. There's something in that. Well, two um, scoring I'd... shots to, what is it, 16 after half time. And they're meant to be. Well, Warren Warren yeah. were the top, were the second seed. So either Donvale can they can start the ball rolling for a campaign here, but I'd like to speak to, about Warrandyte, but I'd really like to know what what the, could, what the heck. In my my opinion on Warrandyte is they've got to get Ryan they've got to get buckets back into the lineup, Ryan Phillips, uh, because he can he's he's their, he's their number one spearhead. He kicks goals, but they've also got to get um, Luke Dunn. 
back into that side and in form as well as he plays. A, and I've said this, he's a very good forward, Luke. Um, obviously getting on a bit, but that's the difference between Warren Dyke at I the think, moment. Yeah. They don't have their key forwards in, and I can't see them challenging. They kicked nine goals in the first half, not to kick two in the second. No, that's no, on the one day. Chris Tout is Chris. It is Chris Tout, right? Uh, kicked, Tommy and Chris. There's yeah, two Tom, of them. Tom, one of the Touts. Tommy kicked five. Tommy, yeah. Tommy yeah. kicked five. It's not Tommy's not a regular goal kicker. I'm talking Ryan Phillips and Luke Dunn are regular yeah, right. goal kickers. Yeah. So if those two, if those two aren't They've got to get them two back into the side, right? To challenge, they're going to, to at least challenge Donvale and and uh, Waverley yeah. Blues in a final. I can't see them winning a final without without a key forward, Warren Wright. But even just like in, in general, that, that all year, Ryan, they've just never really won big. I think they've had two no, big wins against Glen Waverley and and Whitehorse. Any other than that. They've never really just put a aside to the sword. Whereas I know Donvale got smacked by Waverley Blues, but they have done that. Donvale, obviously, yeah. it was only a couple of weeks ago they absolutely pumped Whitehorse, and earlier in the year they handed out their fair share of comfortable wins as well. Yeah, but even I think last year Warrandyte, who were clear on top, they didn't. I don't think from memory they were belting sides. They were sort of just getting the job done. And you take away a few of their um, key players due to injury, you can see why they're they're not. Um, not competing at their best, not being able to pull through with, you know, with a uh, with a five goal lead at half time where they can trip up there. Yep. And one great thing for Donvale is yes, Nick Murphy's back in the lineup, but the one we always talk about is Zach Hay. Yeah, and he wasn't playing. No, so, exactly. So the the general Ruckman wasn't helping them get on top from three straight to nine two, trailing by thirty eight points at half time. They only conceded two scoring shots against them and kicked seven goals nine in the second half. So something's gone right. It obviously starts in the middle, but when we normally think about the middle at Donvale, it's Haig and he wasn't yeah, there. Absolutely. So it's very interesting. Is is Dunk Matt, do you would would Donvale rather Duncan down back? Is that their preferred I, I, position I think for him? what we saw him last year, the, the final game, Brush, one of the final games, it's the outro to this to this podcast. He, he was best on ground from our point of view as a as a sort of a, a three-man uh, or the third defender in defence. Mm-hmm. I think he'd be your, your swing. Um, I think they'd be really, really – I think they'd prefer him in defence when you've got Murphy and stuff down there because the game against Waverley was – and when they, they – the whole thing is about beating Waverley and we'll quickly mention their score. So they beat Fair Park pretty handily, 2014-134 to Fair Park, 4-8. Fair Park kicked all their goals in the last quarter. Tom Langford kicked five goals, Matt Perry four, and the coach, I'm hoping he doesn't do the best players, Brash, because he's put himself best on ground if he has. <laughs> um, but the Waverley Blues got another win. Um, so the, the whole season is now about how do, how do teams beat Waverley, especially for someone like Don Vale and Warrandot who – well, and even Coldy, as we've mentioned, those top four should really make it. So it's about yeah. chasing down Waverly Blues, and I think we saw that day that they need help stopping the the Perry Williamson sort of yeah the playstead sort right. of trident. So you need more height, you need guys who can compete in the air, and, and Duncan can do that. Yeah. Um, and and Hay coming back will also allow other key players to to roll into the defence. So I think that's where they'll use him. Other but coach Kevin Collins might then back his midfield and just go for a shootout. I wouldn't recommend it. It'll be great to see, um, but that yeah. might be the way they go as well. So I think the thing too is with Duncan, I like Matt said, he's probably the switch if they're down by say four goals and they're at a half time in a final 
and they need. Oh, he's to... like James Sisley at Hawthorne. When Hawthorne need a goal and five minutes to go, they throw him forward because yeah. they know he can clunk one and kick a yeah. fifty. Yeah. But I think that's he. But if they're gonna, but if they're gonna beat Waverley, oh, I think they need to at least eliminate one of those forwards, and Duncan might be able to do that. Well, um, he plays. Yeah. He plays back first. But if they're behind and they, yeah, they, yeah, they yeah. need to switch B. at half time, put him there. But then what do you do with Nick Murphy? <laughs> you put him in a pocket, do you? Well, yeah, yeah. that's what I'm saying. They, mate, they might, Kevin Collins may just think that their best bet is Hay with the A-grade midfield matches up to Waverley and we just have a shootout, which we would welcome as as neutrals. Um, or, or, and Gav, as a bit of a Waverley Blues man, might be welcoming oh. it too because their forward line's going pretty well. They have yeah. they have scored uh, uh, 1,100 <laughs> points this year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's not like they're, they're struggling for goals themselves. But, yeah, it's sort of... Yeah, it's it's an interesting debate, but we said that about Churnside in Division Four. You know, they can just think about how to beat Sylvan, and that didn't work out. They lost by 180 <laughs> points, so so maybe we don't get too funky. Uh, before we go into Division Four, that ladder: so Waverley 44 points, Donvale 28, as well as Warrandyte. Donvale's percentage is superior, so they are in second. Coldstream on 26 points, and then you got Scoresby and Whitehorse on 16. So Coldy on the shape of it, as we've mentioned, it's pretty much safe. Uh, Furniture Gallery on 14 points, Glen Waverley and Fair Park. At the moment, are in the relegation zone on twelve points apiece. Um, Scoresby and Whitehorse need to need to buck the trend soon, Brash, because the weights moving Furniture Gully are favourites to finish fifth. Yep, and those two are dangerously close to getting dragged into a bit of a scrap. But we go into Division Four now, where things sort of went back to the normal that we may have predicted at the start of the year, Brash, especially Forest Hill. They got a twenty-seven point win over Croydon North, and because Chanceside beat Kilsyth, they're back in the four. Yeah. They did, and I think I on pre-match yesterday, Ryan, I was uh, Jared asked me about where do I where do I sit on Div Four, and I've I said yesterday that if Forest Hills bring their A game for the rest of the season, they're still the fourth best side in in, in Division Four, and uh, I think if they can uh, if they can hold their form for us still now towards the end of the season i think they're playing finals skill side for me still look a little flaky yeah it was it was a, it was a mature second half after a pretty close tight uh, race in that first half they they kicked six goals to uh, just the two so it's a mature performance because this this season they've seemed to uh, fall away in games and not compete for four quarters so to put in a, a four quarter effort against Croydon North who can at their best um, can, can, can really compete well, they beat, they beat and they them, beat last, them time. last time so um, it's an important win and that percentage is so close so just to be able to get you know instead of a, a one or two goal win to, to stretch that out to five goals helps them out because it pushed them into that four spot. Probably the draws that Forest Hill and Kilsyth got for the rest of the season is probably the is probably. Well, the I was just just looking at that. so so those two at the moment are, are on twenty points apiece. Forest Hill's percentage has them um, slightly above, like literally 025 percent. So we could have another infamous like I think Surrey Park and Sylvan had that shootout. I don't think it, it could get to that again. So bear with me here. So Forest Hill and Kilsyth, so they've. Obviously, there's buys and stuff that'll mix this up. But so Forest Hill have got to play Sylvan, Chernside, Kilsyth, Surrey Park, and finish with Nutter Wadding. So you would say on paper two, yep. two wins, and that's including the game against Kilsyth. So yep. which so far this year has been quite a close tussle. And then Kilsyth themselves have got Sylvan, Surrey Park, Forest Hill, Nutter, and Croydon North. So I think on that, if Forest Hill have to beat Kilsyth when they play them, and then they need. Kilsyth to lose to Croydon North, I think, because Kilsyth should win those last two games and comfortably. 
especially yeah. in that awarding game. Yeah. So Forest Hill finished with another awarding. If it, we could have a shootout if things all even out on that last day, which means we might need our infamous around the grounds yeah. guys, Gav, where people are out there just yeah. texting through scores and we're trying to do percentage on the run. But I think Kilsoth have got the box seat purely because of that easier draw, Gav. I don't know what your views yeah, are. Yeah, yeah, I agree because I was just going to make a comment with uh, Forest Hill were in the biggest rut they've been in when they got thrashed by Sylvan, Churnside, good win against Kilsyth, Surrey Park towed them up by 117, so yes, they've bounced back, and you go, oh, that's that's good, they're now in fourth, but then you look, and, and then they've got to play those sides that gave them a toweling only recently again. Mm. I, 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 I agree with you, um, Gav, but I still, I, I still infinitely think that, I think Forest Hill's side per se Right, is is still a good side on paper in this in yeah. in this division. Mm-hmm. Um, so so this is how I think it'll end out. If we're predicting that Forest Hill will beat Kilsyth when they match up, yeah, and then all the other well, games. So so Forest Hill and Kilsyth play Silver and they'll both lose that one. Forest Hill Churnside Churnside will win that one. Surrey Park should beat Kilsyth, although Kilsyth did beat them last time. But Surrey Park are fresh off a win over Sylvan. Um, then they play each other, and then Nutterwadding. Uh, Kilsyth should beat in Corrid North and then Forest Hill play Surrey and Nunna. So I've got them both finishing on 28 points with just two wins from their remaining games. It could come down to percentage and Kilsyth play Nunna winning in Corrid North. Yeah. So I, we could have this shootout, Gav. Hmm. Um, and it, I, it's, it's, I, yeah, it's a hard one to predict because it's going to come down a bit. But if Kilsyth managed to beat Forest Hill in that game when they play... Um, so in the third can. last round, which they definitely can because they should probably should have, from more reports, beaten them last time, and they were up at three-quarter time back in round two or three. So when they play again, let's say Kilsyth do finally get the job done, it's that's it for Forest Hill because Kilsyth wouldn't lose their last two. All right, the other question I'm going to pose, uh, Churnside Park but, uh, between a rock and a hard place here. Well, with the again, way these you've been great at changing yeah. direction today on the podcast, Rash. So uh, Churnside, 110 to 74 over Kilsyth. A bit of a mini shootout. They kicked... Eight goals to two in the second quarter, Churnside. So they were up 76 to 33. And then Kilsyth won the second half, eight goals to four. But they were never going to get there. Uh, Daniel Badome kicked four. Ben Slattery, three. Goodenson, three. And Curry, three for Kilsyth. Slattery, Grattan Stevens, the old duo. Uh, the best on ground for the Panthers. Uh, yeah, Churnside, their position, though, it is a weird one. Because, like I said last week, Surrey Park have sort of moved into second on the power rankings, yep. in quotation marks, because they beat Sylvan. But Churney are comfortably... In the second spot. So, I mean, you, it seems a weird spot to be sitting in. You're sitting second comfortably. You get beaten by 180 points. And then you come out against a side that's still sitting in the top four, right? And you were challenged and you still win by six they, goals. Yeah. After and they the, haven't lost to Surrey either. That's the weird thing. So, Surrey, and again, that was pre-James Kentworthy. So, when they, I think they play again. Um, so, when, when they do, we might see that maybe the Surrey under Kentworthy are a different unit and, and might roll Churney. But after last week, Ryan, everyone's – it's almost like Churney have become a little bit irrelevant yeah. because we're like, oh, well, Surrey Park's the only team that can beat them. Yeah. So, how, do we, how do we rate Churnside Park midfield? Because that seems to be, you know, speaking to, to James um, with the Surrey Park win – uh, he seemed to say that when they were on top, it was that midfield battle. They won the clearances and um, put the pressure on Sylvan's back six. If Churnside Park are going to win, obviously they're going to have to win that midfield battle. Do we rate their midfield enough to to really compete with um, Sylvan at all? Well, if you can't, if um, if James, if you're taking James's analogy, your midfield is going to have to play four quarters 
right throughout the match to beat Sylvan and be in control and and still try and kick a winning score because one thing that you're always going to you're going to know in the back of your mind that even though Surrey Park won that game, um, Sylvan came home like yeah. a train. So I just think that um, your midfield you need good you're going to need a very good backup and rotation on the day to beat Sylvan in the midfield. And I don't know whether the clubs have got that depth. I, what I like about Churnside yesterday is seeing Ben Slattery in their best because yeah. he has played really well at Moorabark. And, 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 and he's the player that on his day could be the difference yeah. Yeah. for them. Can get has played well for them this year. Yeah, Stevens. Yeah, that's what, that's what I mean. And Stevens definitely, but they're both edging yeah, I know. up the ages as yeah. we all are. But, you know, definitely Grattan. But that, that's the thing, like, that you don't want them to be stuck in this vortex where – Churnside have done all the right things and then Sylvan have just been so good. But I, I agree with you, Gav. If Churnside are to make inroads in finals, it'll be Slattery standing up when the, when yeah. the uh, crunch time comes. Because he can do a bit of outside run or at least feed. get be, right, beat. Just a penetrating kick as yeah, well. And, yeah. so, so that forward um, movement, which they'll need to be a bit quicker against the good side like Sylvan, he's the sort of player you want to be seeing in your best. Absolutely. I just want to give a shout-out to whoever does the Churnside Park admin. So Josh McConnell <laughs> kicked a goal, but he's registered as Churnside Park Football Club, Josh McConnell. Now, I don't know whether there's another Josh McConnell somewhere and they wanted to make it different. But if you look on the website, I'm not sure what it looks like on the front end, but on the back end, that's what I've got. Now, they've put him as his first name being Churnside Park Football Club. <laughs> so, CPFC, Jay McConnell, is that what it comes yeah, up what, on the yeah. front end? Yeah, well done to Churnside Park Football Club, Josh McConnell, kicked a goal on the weekend. <laughs> is this where he's such a team, man? They've gone, that's it. He's actually gonna, changed, he's legally changed his name. We're going to stitch Park. him up. And put him in as so it's either comedy well, or, okay, or administrative error. On that, so in my previous role, Job week. even previous role up the mountain, the outer east, in there was a reserves grand final, and on the team sheet down the bottom, number sixty nine for Packenham or whatever was Michelle something, right? And looking at it, and going into the medals, they've won, and the whole game he hadn't got much of the ball, and the whole game we we were sort of like, what is it, Michael? Like, is it a misprint? Is it Mikel? Is it something French? Like, and yeah. you're sitting there and you've got to do the microphone and it's like, you know, probably 30 years ago, you'd just say Michael. Yeah. But it was this time, it's like, well, maybe this is his name and, you know, so on. And I'm looking at the medals again, counting, packing them guys are just staring, like boring holes into my brain. And I'm thinking, <laughs> why are these guys just staring at me? It's coming up to it, coming up to it. And it's got to it. And I thought, you know what? You've just, just, that's the name that's on the team sheet. That's his name. Yeah. I'm going to say Michelle. I've said it. Whole Packenham club have just erupted <laughs> with laughter. It turns out that they'd done it ages ago. They'd stitched him up <laughs> yeah. and, and changed his name in the system to Michelle. And the Mount Evelyn team wanted to overturn the result of the oh. grand final because they were, they were playing in the legal team sheet. <laughs> oh, that's Incredible good. pettiness. <laughs> but the long game, they backed themselves in to win the flag and it all paid off in the end. So maybe if Chancellor Park do win the medals <laughs> on grand final day, someone will have to call out number whatever, Chancellor Park Football Club, Josh McConnell. So... <laughs> Matt, finally, just before... Well, Sylvan, so we said... Don't you hate being on a side Well, gets beaten for the So Sylvan got beaten for the first time, you know, and they've hit the training track hard. They're fuming. We're going to bounce back. And poor Nutter Wadding is sitting there like, oh, for God's sake. God's sake. Uh, Sylvan, 37-23, 60 scoring shots, 245 beat. Nutter Wadding, 4-3-27. The goal kickers, Lee Kimpton kicked 11. He's on 74. So yep. we've got what have we got? Five games left. He he's, should, he should get, get the hundred. He's a hundred. We've got to yeah. we've got to send people out to Sylvan. Get the cameras out. We want 
I want full running on ground. I want it happen. <laughs> 26 goals to get Lee Kimpton. Matt Lowe's got eight. Uh, he's doing well this year as well. Ficarelli, five. So uh, Ficarelli's got 49 for the year. So when it, when it, playing uh, second fiddle. Matt Lowe's got 27 <laughs> after his eight. Hopefully Sylvan are playing down like at Forest Hill or something. When he well, yeah, maybe up the mountain. You run with the red dirt, <laughs> trip over. Well, after the bye, if they can set this up well, give Kimpton up to 98 um, yeah, if, if Kilside, Forest Hill, Croydon North by home game at Churnside Park, if he can be going for 100... No, it's at Churnside, not... It's at Kimberley Reserve, round oh, the second last round. Uh, so, oh, damn it. I was reading that wrong, So, so, so they ha- they've only got one more home game to go against Forest Hill ah. in two weeks, so he'd have to kick 26 goals in two weeks. Not I wouldn't put it past Lee Kimpton. I'll, I'll settle for Pink's Reserve, though. No, no. It'll be ki- <laughs> so you've got to choose between Kimberley and Surrey Park. Kimberley and Surrey Park are your two options. We could, I'll tell you what, Surrey Park Sylvan, I don't know what the match around is. We could, if he's if he hasn't kicked the 100 by then, it could come into the reckoning <laughs> for a match of the day. Just to, just to get a GoPro on, on Wayne, Brashari, to, to run on. Because they could have a bowl effect where they're all at standing Surrey on Park, the hill yeah, yeah. and they can run down all the hill people falling are down over. That, they're on that little plane and you've got to run up the hill. Yeah. So, so remember that, one of those grand finals, Vermont won or was the first one <laughs> on the ground. Have you still got that toe, that that acceleration, I'm, Brash? No. Or I, you I, haven't tested it out in a while? Uh, I, I reckon I'd pull a hammy now. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, look, Lee Kimpton, we thought Darcy Fritch was going to do it last year, but he ran out of games. And, and fortunately for Lee, that, that won't be the case. But look, I don't know. What else can you say? That was always going to happen. You, you feel bad for Nana Wadding. Sylvan. A, one thing that worries me about Nana Wadding, at that, when you look at sides like that, one of the key indicators that you want to see, even when they're not winning, is their percentage, right? They're sitting at 37%, and they really haven't... They've dropped. Yeah. Since it, the, the it is hard because four ra- five rounds they'd be deflated, and then it seems like every second week they're playing one of the top two, <laughs> unfortunately for them. And, and because of how tight this season is, no one's taking a backward step. But, you know, their first two losses, minus five and minus 22, and you're thinking... Yep, they're on the improve, and then all of a sudden the bottoms just yeah. drop right out of them again. And I think this when is... was their last win? Because we don't want to get that count up again. Oh. Uh, stats, they, that, they won a game last year. Stats right. bench. Uh, Noel McPhee does great work with stats bench every week. He'll have the hmm. winning and losing, the biggest winning and losing streaks. So at the moment, Didn't we had Nutter- on the radio last year for winning. Yeah, Nutterwadding. Yeah, no, they. I think they might have won the last round because yeah, Oakley District the... and them are tied for the biggest losing streak at the moment, along with Upper Gully. And then, um, didn't they win the five green up the bush? Oh no, that was ages ago. That oh, was a couple well, of years back. The no, but they beat Croydon North. Yeah, yeah. I think that year. think it was in the and then, but and Murubak have got the longest winning run, sixteen games at the moment. Oh, so okay. which is which is a pretty good job there. Uh, the Division Four ladder before we go, as we mentioned, so Sylvan on forty and percentage of whatever um, out in front. Churnside Park clear in second, and as we said, they're in a bit of a, a black hole because everyone's <laughs> no one's really. Focus on them anymore. Uh, they're on 36 points. Surrey Park on 24 in third. Forest Hill on 20 by 0.25% are in the four over. Kilsyth also on 20. As we mentioned, Kilsyth have a slightly easier run home. So they may get into the four on percentage. We could have one of those uh, shootouts. Croydon North, Mlock on 12 and Nutterwadding on zero. So it's all starting. It's, it's really poised. There's a narrative in... In each of the divisions at the moment, you know, the, the race for the sixth spot in Premier Division, the race for fifth in Division One, um, you know, the similar sort of battle in, in Division Two. And then in Division Three, it's three sides trying to figure out how, how to beat Waverley. And then down in Div Four, and it's, guess what, it's Matt, all happening. The story keeps unfolding it does. every weekend. It does. The narrative continues to unfold. We can't predict it yet, uh, even though the Oracle does try. Uh, Ryan. 
Thanks for popping in, mate. Always Thanks, a pleasure. Man. Never a chore. Gavin, once again. My pleasure. Beautiful stuff. Uh, and Wayne Brasher, once again. Next week, it might be a different flavour to the Eastland Monday recovery. It'll be uh, done over Zoom, so you won't be hearing my dulcet tones. Uh, Got to have a little bit of a spell. Freshen up before the finals finals run, so uh, you'll be hearing Hawaii. that one different. Oh. <laughs> Don't know. Don't know about Hawaii. Don't know if I'm on in that tax bracket, Gav. Yeah. Uh, but thanks for listening to the Eastland Monday Recovery. Until next time, enjoy the footy. End of the most important sentence clearance of the afternoon. So Haig won it down. Wignall got it. Can he get a handball away? He's going to burst away. He's going to run to 50. Low ball to the top of the goal square. McCormack! Oh, no. He pulled it in! Oh, He's no. pulled it in! Oh, Wignall! He got through the Acosta Harvey tackle, took a few paces and then speared it to low to McCormack. He's been good all day, Billy. He started the day with an almost hanger. Kicked the check side for right in front of us. He can make a a name for himself. Billy, don't be a hero. I think they want him to be one now, Brad. 15 metres out, Billy McCormack's kicked it! Oh, you'll be a hero. John Baylor in front, 28 minutes gone.